Sometimes I think about doing a Sam Sutherland impression when we start this thing. Uh, oh, do it, do it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Last Believer, a podcast about good riddance, the internet's only podcast about good riddance. My name is Josh Lindley. With me, as always, is my co-host, Dan Forcier. Hey, yo. This week we're talking about three different good written songs, as per usual. The songs this week are going to be The Dubious Glow of Excess, Ever Smile, and Tell Me Why. I'm going to stop doing that one now, the, the full-on, like, radio, Rodney radio <laughs> voice. I'm, it's I'm good, though. It's it was good. a fun it's intro, good. though, right? Yeah. It's fun. I'm going to start by asking Dan what he thought of the band Dits that we came across because of that ridiculous quiz last week. It was good. Um it was better than I expected. Um, that fuck the pain away cover is really fun. Um, I can't remember the name of the song that you put on the playlist, but uh, it was, it's good. It's good. It's, it definitely caught me by surprise. It's not what I was expecting. And I was like, Oh, this is pretty fun. I thought that band was way better than I expected to. Also though, a band name like Dits, the band clearly knows who they are. Yeah. Like that's a, I ca- that's a strong band name. Not not that they sound anything like gloss, but I feel like the same kind of um, aesthetic, awareness. for lack of a better yeah. term. Awareness. Yeah, awareness is good. Yeah, this was, yeah. This, this was fun. I still have it written on my notebook, like, dits. <laughs> <laughs> as, uh, as per usual, yeah, we're going to go through some songs. We aren't doing quizzes anymore. Uh, we have – I've been posting on the Instagram – Every day that we're recording, asking people to send us questions. I have a couple. I don't know if you've seen them yet, Dan. We'll get to that later in the show. Um, But yeah, so yeah, keep it as a surprise. Um, They're (laughs) both actually really good questions. Uh, The two that I've looked at so far anyway. So, Dan, if people are trying to look up stuff on Instagram and ask us questions, what do they do? What a fantastic question. So what they can do is they can uh, jump on the old Instagram machine and find us over at uh, Last Believer Pod. Uh, if you want to reach us, not by sliding into our DMs, but you want to send a, a nice, well, uh, well, strongly worded email, you can do it at uh, lastbelieverpod at gmail.com. And I mean, while you're online, you know, feel free to uh, give us a subscribe and some positive reviews. Uh, some five star reviews really help people find uh, find the pod really. And, uh, yeah, or better yet, I'm more concerned with, you know, just getting cool new people to be listening, um, to, to Bozo's chat. So tell a friend, tell a friend about this good riddance pod that, uh, you love so much. And let's, let's let this, uh, crew grow. Only cool people though. No nerds. Just kidding. It's all nerds. Did I just get fired? <laughs> Also, while you're online, we've been adding songs that we talk about onto a playlist so that you uh, it's not I don't want you to think of it like homework so much as you can really just be part of it and kind of see the vibe that we're going for and understand maybe some of the angles that we're playing when we talk about it. So if you're on Spotify, uh, go look up Last Believer podcast playlist and it should show up. That are recently added to that list. If for some reason you uh, don't know these songs yet, Dubious Glow of Excess, Ever Smile, and Tell Me Why. First song we're going to talk about this week, The Dubious Glow of Excess, is from Bound by Ties of Blood and Affection. Uh, this is a Luke song, and the lineup is, of course, Luke, uh, Russ, Chuck, and Dave Wagon Shoots. This came out in 2003. Dan, had you ever heard this song before? No, no, not before. I was going to say not before today. <laughs> no, not before this, uh, not before the pod and the uh, expectation that I'm to listen to the songs before. <laughs> uh, what'd you think of it? It was really interesting. 
it sounds like no other good written song that we've taken in so far. Yeah. I found that like it really had a different or like just a really different vibe um throughout. And the the intro, you know, kind of like the talking, just very it's I don't know, kind of like my war, you know, Black Flags my war a little bit sure. kind of vibe. Yeah. And then like in the song kind of mixes, I don't know, I got like a popular by Nata Surf vibe at the same time, which are two very weird like influences. And not that it really sounds like either one of those. It was just like, okay, just like the kind of intro where it's like kind of, I don't want to say sludgy, but like a little bit slower and like a little bit talking before hopping into it. Yeah. So it was, I listened to it a lot. I probably listened to it probably a good, well, a lot, like probably a good, like, eight to 10 times over the last week, just trying to wrap my head around. Cause it's different. Like it's just, it just different than what we've, we've done. And then you sent me this like semi cryptic text this week about how <laughs> I need to get, well, let me, hang on, where, where is it here? Um, and it's before it's, this is, this is before I kind of took like a deep dive into um, it says, I hope that you are ready to explore the depths of your soul on this week's pod. <laughs> so with that being said, I was I was really kind of looking at the lyrics a little bit beforehand, too. And then I was like, fuck, like, am I missing something here? Like, what what am I missing? So when I re- like was kind of listened to it originally, I'm thinking like, all right, maybe it's like a little bit of like an alcoholism, substance abuse type of you know song and then but then the more i listen to it the more i'm like wait a minute it's not like that it doesn't it maybe it's like the point of you know maybe uh a capitalist with some uh remorse some residual guilt nearing the end of their time i mean like i don't know i haven't taken lit 101 in like over two decades so like i don't really know but i mean (laughs) things like things like talking about you know like uh having so many things like in excess and like not offering any apologies it's very much like capitalism right just being like me 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 like what benefits me and mine i don't know so i'm the whole time i'm writing this and i was like i i'm really missing something and i'm just gonna let josh fuck me up by you know ripping into my soul apparently also uh i understand that it's kind of a dick move someone who has on the pod and off expressed issues with anxiety to send a text message like that and just kind of <laughs> drop, a, drop a bomb in the middle of your week uh, sorry about that. Me. No, no, it, it, seems, it seems very insensitive of me now. I swear I wasn't <laughs> no, doing no, it no. to try to fuck no, with you. No, 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 it wasn't uh, like an anxious thing as much as it was like just an overthinking like, oh, man, what am I missing? Like, I, what am I going to get blindsided with? <laughs> well, yeah. So these lyrics um, really show where Russ was at as far as his writing was concerned at the time. Uh, this is definitely a poem. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. And like who knows if the lyrics were written around the music or if the music was written around the lyrics or like how it went, like which angle it went. But, uh, but yeah, this is definitely a poem and the contemplations about what kind of person you would be if you all of a sudden, or even over time, just have everything that you've ever wished for. It's something that, you know, despite this song being 17 years old or whatever, I haven't really, and also I've never been, a man of means. So it's not something I've ever really spent a whole lot of time thinking about. And then, you know, while I'm jumping rope, listening to this song, trying to think about the <laughs> podcast this week, uh, I start going through these ideas, you know, like I buy lottery tickets, but beyond making sure my mom is taken care of and I get myself like a Jeep or whatever, uh, I've never really considered what my life would really look like. Like would I still care about anything that defines me now or has ever defined me, you know, uh, or would I just get into like weird rich people shit, like investing or yachts or whatever rich people get into. And so Dan, (laughs) investing or yachts, sorry. I have no idea what rich people do. I mean, I'm just picturing you starring in an episode of ballers now, which like I could hang out with the rock. I think he and I'd get along. Okay, man. And Rob Corddry. Anyways, sorry. I totally cut you off there is this something you've ever thought about? And like you buy a lottery ticket, you win $72 million. What, like, what do you actually do? How does your life change because of that? Do you just keep living in the same apartment and you just have a stupid, huge bank account? Like what, what, what do you do? And have you even thought about this before? 
I have absolutely thought of it before. Um, and not just from lottery stuff too. Like before, before I got like really into, I don't know, like, <clears throat> like punk politics and just learning about the way the world is when I was like younger, I was like, Oh, I'm just going to be a business person. You know what I mean? I'm going to make money and blah, blah, blah. And like, whatever I work for a, like a financial institution now. So it's not like I really strayed too far from that path, but yeah, the, that concept, that idea, like that train of thought, like I've thought of that many times and I don't want to live like this big, excessive, extravagant life. Like it's, if if I were to win the lottery, all right, not going to have any debt, pay off my parents' mortgage, pay off my sister's mortgage, maybe buy a reasonable-sized house, and then put a bunch of savings away for my niece and nephew for their post-secondary education, and just, I would still probably keep working, but I'd probably do yeah. something that I love and not take any bullshit. It just, just actually, like, do a job that I really enjoy doing because I'm doing it because I like it, not because I have to, because I got to... Right pay them bills. I mean, it kind of goes back to one of the earlier episodes was like, I'll sell out in a heartbeat just for like financial comfort. But like, I won't actually sell out, but I mean, you know, discussions, my ears are open depending on what the situation is and how much you're going to give me, I guess. It's all, it's all super theoretical too, right? For sure. My thing, my thing that keeps popping into my head is like, okay, so yeah, say it's $70 million. How much of that do I need for myself and for the people I love around me and then whatever's left over, what would I do with it? And what I landed on was uh, investing in clean water projects for First Nations and indigenous people in Canada. That was where my brain went. It was like the idea that there are people in Canada that don't have clean water. Yes. Blows my fucking mind. And if I have 30 million dollars sitting around to invest in some project that makes that happen, I feel like that's where it's going. This, of course, is all just a pipe dream, but sure. And I mean, like now I feel a little bit baited, <laughs> being, <laughs> being a little bit selfish with my things, because I have always said in the off chance that I would ever become a billionaire, um, you know, because you read about all, you know, how much stuff could be fixed with all this excess money. But a lot of the billionaires aren't doing anything. I've definitely said that I would help solve a lot of those problems. But if I'm just yeah. winning, like. Yeah, shit, man. I feel bad now. <laughs> Damn, I'm also, selfish. <laughs> there's no judgment. Also, I didn't tell you what this was going to be about. So top of mind, looking after your family is not a bad answer. Well, yeah, fair. OK. <laughs> <laughs> uh, musically, though, like you were saying, you know, this song doesn't really sound like any other good written songs. What's no. funny is that it really, really doesn't sound like any of Luke's songs. Usually yeah. Luke's songs are like the the real fast, like. RKL inspired stuff. Um, yeah. With like, a, at like least a that's what it sounds like lead. to me. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think it's a real flex on a good riddance album. Like bound by ties of blood and affection came out when the band was definitely like well-defined, well-established. And they maybe used that recognition to throw in some surprises. The vocals being spoken over the sparse instrumentation of the verses Honestly, like you said, Black Flag, it's funny for me. It sort of reminds me of like the subhumans, like UK subhumans. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like where it's like sparse, you know, the guitar is almost playing a melody, but like you're not sure where it's going to go or how fast sure. it's be or whatever. I feel like subhumans do that a bunch. And then it shifts style. It goes entirely like that creepy crawl proper. Like, you know, it sounds like it would be a mosh part from a band on in effect records. Yep. You know, yep. or like there's a specific Dicroyton song that it sounds like in my brain, but I don't think it actually sounds like it. It just sort of reminds me of it. And then the middle part also, have you been paying attention to this? Middle parts are, are the thing now. Apparently <laughs> Gen Z is like middle parts or death. Uh, side parts are stupid. Oh, with hair. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant with saw. <laughs> <laughs> like, no. like they skip the intro and the outro. Song, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I have heard this. Um, I don't care. I mean, my hair naturally parts in the middle, but when I actually yeah. get a cut, it's a side part always. So I don't know. Yeah. Fuck, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I, anyway, I'm, I'm, too, I'm too old to worry about what Gen Z <laughs> thinks about how I fucking do my hair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, the middle section of the song, again, it's like sparse guitar and bass, and they sort of play against each other. 
which doesn't really happen in good riddance songs at all. Um, and while the song doesn't sound like good riddance, it's funny to me because I feel like it gives clues as to what only crime would end up sounding like. And this song oh, came sure. out. Yeah. And this song came out around the same time that only crime would have just been forming or working on the first record. Uh, but the funny part about it is that this is a Luke song and not a Russ song. And so to listen to this and think of it as like, oh, Russ is pushing in this direction and that's why he formed only crime with the dude from Bane and Bill Stevenson. And well, who was it? It wasn't the guy from Modern Life is War first. It was uh, one of the Blair brothers, Zach or Donnie Blair. Anyway. Oh, Zach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The guy the guy who's in every band. Um, Guar, even. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I think it's kind of cool that way and that it seems like it would lean into what only crime would sort of end up sounding like, even though it's not a Russ song. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, but if, if Russ hears this song that Luke writes and he's like super into it. Yeah. It, like he could totally be like, hey, 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 Zach, hey, Zach, just like this, <laughs> like, the, yeah. you know, let's yeah, let's let's make hey. it sound like this. Uh, overall, I think the song is really cool and the way it fits into the record, too. Again, it, it is very much like this is uh, the sixth or seventh song in. And so it's very much like abrasive almost in that it is totally different from anything you would expect. Mm-hmm. from Rins. Which is funny because last week I feel like we talked about how Comprehensive Guide was so expansive and they were exploring different ideas. And then a full six or seven years later, they've put this song on. And so maybe they've always just been experimenting and because of this podcast i'm listening to everything a lot more intently well it's very funny that you say that because i had that written in my notes how we were talking with crystal about um how that's something kind of that attracted her uh was how different some of the songs could be and like this is not even just record specific i was going to bring it up in terms of you know no spoilers but for this trio of songs not one of them is of the same quote-unquote micro genre you know what i mean like yeah yeah they all they all sound like totally different and could totally be by different bands and i'm not saying i don't i want every song on a record to sound the same but three very different styles of songs Dan, did we just do a proper segue? Perhaps. <laughs> so the next song <laughs> that we're going to talk about is Eversmile. Wow, we're getting good at this. <laughs> I, we're, uh, getting, we're getting competent at this. <laughs> uh, Eversmile from the album Ballads from the Revolution. This one came out in 1998. It's funny because, yeah, this is a deep cut on the record. All of them are deep cuts this week. There's no, there's no, uh, no real, like, standard in the set list songs this week, which probably mm-hmm. is like, we're talking about three very different sounding songs ever smile. Dan, what'd you think of this one? This is, this has to be the snottiest. I have heard Russ's voice. Yeah. I can't, I like, again, we're still pretty early in this project, so maybe it gets snottier, but I, when he started singing in this song, I was like, hold up. And I was like, like started over like i was like wait did that really just happen or am i just hearing and like yeah listen to it a couple times like it's just it's so weird to hear i don't know him basically trying to do like a dead boys or buzzcocks kind of impersonation with this naughtiness not that it sounds like either of those bands but it's like yeah i don't know like what like a dead boy song with a skate punk beat it's like yeah. I, I don't know but um it definitely had like I don't know like early rancid vibes too in terms of musically like something on like self titled or let's go or something but like overall like it's it was a pretty interesting song um, there's not I don't know if there's another soul crushing <laughs> part of this uh, this song that's gonna be uh, thrown at me but oh, yeah. Uh, yeah it, it was it was like just a pretty like just a straightforward jam that didn't really jump out a lot at me uh, other than me overthinking what am I missing and <laughs> how is my soul about to get crushed? Like you said, it does. It is an it, it's a yeah, it's definitely 
different again than most other good written songs. And yeah, it's pretty deep on the album. I think it's cool. Like the images painted through the lyrics in this song are super mm-hmm. relatable. Yeah. Um, and with, without going overboard, I think they're really, really illustrative. Like you can really picture exactly what he's doing and where it's all happening. Russ really captures not only the setting of like, maybe this is something good, but manages to hit, you know, the almost kind of formation of a relationship, but the mood and feelings attached to those kinds of interactions as well. I think the lyrics in this song are great. And I know, especially when you're younger and you meet someone and you're like immediately smitten. And I don't even necessarily mean like romantically, but you know, when you spend two hours talking to someone that you just met and you want to spend every waking moment with them, but then as is the case in ever smile, you know, it fizzles pretty quickly. And after a week of just hanging out with that person, you're sort of sure, you know, like, like you've gotten everything you're going to get from this relationship with this person. Uh, and like, I know that in my life that's happened, you know, not dozens, but not zero times where yeah, you meet someone and like absolute best friends for an hour. So that's, that's the soul crushing part. I want to know, like, does that happen to you often? Has that happened to you? Are there people that you wish you were still in touch with? Cause you had an amazing weekend with them. Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe not the a ladder that I can think of off the top of my head. I, you know what? Actually, like, yeah, probably because when you go to fest one day, you will know everyone is your best friend at fest or even at Pooza fest or even any of these like outdoor music festivals where you're running like from venue to venue instead of just in front of two stages. Right. Yeah. So those or South by or anything like that. Right. And like, so you're seeing a lot of the same people places like, Oh, Hey, you like the last three bands we saw too. Or like, you anyway, you just end up talking and being friends with everyone. Uh, yeah. I've definitely had the vibe of, did we just become best friends? <laughs> yep. You know, the, uh, do I go do karate yeah. in the garage? Yep. Uh, <laughs> There's so much space for activities. Just off the top of the head, I can't think of anyone like specific, but I know for a fact, if I were to rack my brain a little bit, I would find it. Um, how about like, how about you? Do you, are you, cause you've said before potentially dozens of times, can you, do you have like some in mind that have recently happened or maybe not well, recently since it's a pandemic, but like, <clears throat> yeah. I feel like uh, in college it happened a lot. Mm. Uh, I lived in a I lived in a dorm for a year, and oh, yeah, okay. it's def it's definitely like you spend you know three weeks watching whatever skate videos or like <laughs> listening to whatever records with somebody, and oh yeah, we're gonna go and see Snapcase play on you know Saturday night, and you go, and then Sick. you kind of went and saw the show, and then it was like yeah okay fine. And then you never really you pass them in the hallways or whatever. It's like, oh, yeah. Hey, dude. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. So it's definitely happened. Honestly, I've been sort of expecting you to get tired of this project and bail on me anytime. <laughs> oh, man. No, that would that'd be such a dick move. I'm kidding. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, OK. And now I was like, oh, fuck, what if something happens and then I'm not going to be able to do it. And now it's going to be on recording Then I was like, no, that would be a dick move. And then I'm going to get Instagram messages being like, oh, dick move. Oh, geez. <laughs> That's what you get for giving your personal Instagram on the on the pod. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so <laughs> so actually kind of what you're saying now with the show is like, yes, I can I can even think, too, of just like meeting someone. Um, you know, like a mutual friend's birthday party at a bar and you're sitting with them and you're just vibing. You're like, oh, how, how have we not been best friends this entire time? And then you hang out with them like a couple of times. And you're like, oh, you're kind of shitty. eh? OK, you just had one good time. I don't know. Yeah. So I yeah. get the vibe. But it, so one thing. No, I was just going to say, I think it's funny that in a minute and 10 seconds of this song. You know, there isn't a whole lot of words in the song, but Russ manages to capture that entire process. In a minute and 10 seconds. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, and like you said, it was it was illustrative and you can really, you know, because you can really picture everything that's going on. Part of it, too, is because we can relate to it. But if we put these lyrics side by side with Dubious Glow. Yeah. Also very illustrative. Mm-hmm. You can really picture what's going on. Two extremely different writing styles. Yeah. Uh, well, and but like you said, you know, Dubious Glow is, is definitely a poem. Uh, I could definitely see it having been 
sorry, bitten, having been written um, prior to the music, right, and just laid it on top. But, uh, yeah, it's just really interesting just to see, like, really two Russes and two songs, like, back-to-back. You get, like, really wordy, eloquent, you know, dubious glow in excess, and then you have straightforward gut-punch ever smile. Yeah. Musically, when Ballads from the Revolution came out, I was astounded at how much the chorus to Ever Smile and the chorus to Bad Religion's Big Bang are. Like, they're they're kind of, they're almost exactly the same. But, you know, it's one of those things that gets real annoying. Like, you think you're so smart when you're a kid and you can find two songs that sound almost the same or kind of the same, especially because, like, I'm not a musician. I don't actually know what's happening. I understand rhythms, but that's about it. And you think you're so smart when then you grow up and you realize that, like, you know, Bad Religion has like 400 songs. And to think that you can write, I guess, Good Riddance would have had like 50 songs at this point to think that you can write 50 melodic hardcore songs and have none of them sound anything at all like Bad Religion or remind people of Bad Religion, even if you don't really sound like it. Like that's that's stupid to think that. (laughs) that that bad religion bad religion is like the farthest reaching punk band other than the ramones ever and so you know when when you've been playing this style of music for that long like who doesn't know who bad religion is that has ever considered themselves as being into punk okay fair i you really kind of got me with that they might be like the second most <clears throat> um, the, the, the misfits. Yeah, sure. But the misfits are a, a fucking clothing line. So are the Ramones now, though. Yeah, I don't, but dis- this, this, I don't disagree with you. Bad religion has a crazy reach. And I also got bad religion vibes. And it's I mean, I, I look for things that remind me in songs all the time <laughs> for relatability purposes, too. Um, but I'm just really kind of stuck on this whole. Okay, you know what? Hey, 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 people listening to the pod, let us know if you disagree about Bad Religion being the second most widespread <laughs> punk band. I'm very curious on who, what people think is uh, the, the second most. The Ramones, I'm with you, 100%, number one, done. Yeah, and I mean, part of that is timing, too. I mean, they were, they were yeah. literally, like, depending on whose opinion you want to take and what time of day it is, the Ramones are, you know, in in scare quotes the first punk band in in quotes uh but yeah like obviously everyone knows the ramones everyone's listened to the ramones everyone knows who the ramones are you know obviously green day and the offspring and rancid have all sold more copies of albums than bad religion has but those three bands especially those three bands obviously love bad religion and opened for bad religion a thousand times and like you know, Brett Gurwitz produces their records. So sure. I don't. So I, I almost think that, like, by that reasoning, if someone wants to argue Offspring or Green Day or Rancid, it's just like, no, because that argument is, in fact, for bad religion, because those bands don't exist the way they do without bad religion. So, like, you're just sure. really building on the argument that bad religion is, like, the furthest reaching, one of the most entrenched bands, not even just in punk rock, but, like, in music, period. Sure. I know. I think, and again, not to speak for you, because this is kind of uh, for your argument as well. Um, you, you had said earlier that anyone who has ever considered themselves to be punk or a punk rocker or whatever knows who Bad Religion is. I agree. Yeah. The other three bands that kind of have, you know, kind of transformed the punk genre, and I'll even throw Blink in there, too. Blink-182, that is. Um, Who's this? Yeah. I've never heard of that band. Yeah, well, they're just this little band from San... Anyways, it's fine. Yeah. Um, but all those bands have a major, major audience component that is n- not into punk at all. True. Yeah, and I'm not saying a no-major label thing, but I'm just saying... I think it's an important caveat of, like, oh, well, Band X is, you know number two but it's like well who's really buying all those you know green day american idiot cds not the people at gilman street actually maybe but you know not all of them 
obviously like we neither of us are old enough nor geographically close enough to really say anything about it but like i wouldn't be surprised at all to find out that most of the staff of maximum rock and roll actually sort of like american idiot but like would never ever <laughs> well if anyone from Maximum Rock and Roll is listening and wants to weigh in on Yo, that. Those, those guys will beat me up. They'll fucking last, kill me. Lastbeliever_pod <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, that was, right. that was a little bit of a tangent there that had nothing to do with what we were talking about. But I definitely also got Bad Religion vibes from that song. Specifically the chorus. Like, yeah. the, the rhythm of the chorus is big bang, big crunch. You know, it's no free lunch. Like, it is almost identical but also i don't know what's actually being played and so by when i say almost identical it's just in my brain and nobody else's necessarily and none of that even matters because i think the song fucking rips A third song we're going to talk about this week, Tell Me Why, which is from 2006's My Republic album. This was uh, Sean Sellers back in the band at this point with Luke and Chuck and Russ. Obviously, Dan, what did you think of this one? Um, I cannot read the song title without getting Backstreet Boys stuck in my head. Hmm. <laughs> Since it was said last week, I'm just like, tell me why. Yeah, but oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but no. So, but this is my favorite song from this week. This. Oh yeah. Like, we save the best for last. In my uh, in my humble opinion here, or as Crystal said last week, I am Macho. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> appealing to Gen Z since I already gave them shit for bugging me about my hair. Anyways, no, I'm kidding. Um, you have a you have a middle part. You're using IMHO. So far as I can tell, yeah. you and Gen Z are BFFs. Hold on. I so what do you think of the song, song. Dan? <laughs> yeah, the song. So, yeah, uh, again, favorite song this week. I really like this one. Um, and even though I had uh, Bad Religion vibes from Eversmile, um, this one, like, really gave me some Bad Religion vibes. Um, and, like, the Tell Me Why harms are also kind of reminiscent of – remember that band Reset from Montreal? Yeah, sure. Yeah, they had a song like called two Why. Of, two of them ended up being Simple Plan, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, and um, just like the, the drawn-out Why, like with the harmony, just really mm-hmm. reminded me of that song. But like, yeah, like, I don't know, like this, uh, I don't know, it's a good one. It's a, it's just, it kind of really caught me off guard because I was like, okay, these songs are pretty good. They're kind of different. And then... I just started listening to Tell Me Why, and I was like, oh, okay, I really like it. And then lyrically, I really liked kind of where it was going, too. I kind of, the vibe I was getting from um, the lyrics was just kind of like an anti-religion, like an anti-people in power in organized religions. Not sure if that's the right one, but that's kind of how I took it, and I was very here for it. Um, maybe it's because it says like, so what defines sacrament on holy vows <laughs> that I was like, Oh yeah. And, and rationalizing morality. Maybe that's why I, I, I got like the religious vibes there. But yeah, that's, that's what I got. And as someone, as we had said before, who used to, uh, go to church as a youth, I definitely am a self-proclaimed atheist now. So yeah, I've questioned everything, questioned the answer, you know, it's funny that you say that even though I sort of mentioned it before, even though I've been into them forever and, Throughout doing this podcast each week, there's at least one song that I hear in a different way and that I'm taking in different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I'm just, you know, it's like active listening rather than passive listening. But, yeah, like tell me why on the surface of it, the way that I see it is is that it's a pro-choice song. But more than that, it's about elected officials using their power and their influence uh, to shape laws as they see fit based on their religious leanings. Sure. That's how okay. I see it. And and then, you know, the discussion around abortion specifically, uh, a lot of the so-called pro-life representatives are actually just kind of pro-birth. And then once someone is born, they're no longer concerned about what happens to them. Yeah. You know, you know what? Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I'm fully on board. And again, like I don't want to uh, get super political or even speak for you, but uh, I think we can both agree that um, their body, their choice. Yes, all good. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah, like, okay, what good. Is, what? Like, what business know, is it of mine? What anyone else wants to do with themselves? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Also, yeah, like you were saying, uh, I love the end of the song, like the last section where Russ is asking how he's supposed to respect so-called morality using words like sacrament and, and, you know, unholy vows and whatever. Uh, and the layers of vocal harmonies there sound almost like a church choir. And maybe that's just me projecting on it. Like, I don't know if they did that on purpose necessarily, but it oh, really struck that. me. Well, I would, yeah, when I was listening to it this week, the harmonies there are very much in the background and do sort of sound like a church choir while he's referencing people who maybe are making religious based decisions in laws. Um, I thought that was really cool. And also the last line of the song, <laughs> calling someone's opinion sad mm-hmm. is fucking mean. Like there's no, there's no comeback for that. It's like, Oh, that's your opinion, man. That's sad. It's like, uh, man, ouch. Like- Man, like, the commander in tweets use that that three letter word all the time too for that exact same reason. They hold those th- they holds weight, you know, when you're talking shit on something. Um, I'm rereading the lyrics as we're talking too, like just glancing over it. You're absolutely right. It is more of um governing bodies and what their pseudo morals are based on their religion. Man, I I think I'm even more into this song now. This might make the outside looking in of the top 10, to be honest. I really actually really enjoyed this song, but even before getting this deep into the lyrics. You know what I think is really cool about the last 10 weeks of doing this is that when My Republic came out, I was good with it. I liked it. I loved it. It's a good riddance album. It sounds like good riddance and I liked it a lot, but uh, My Republic has never been near my... Uh, my top, like my favorite good riddance album. Mm-hmm. It just, it, it never has been. Um, and whether that was what I was into at the time or when it came out or what the band sounded like or whatever, but it's been funny because the few songs, the two or three songs we've done from my Republic are all of your favorites. <laughs> and so it's, it's really funny. It's really funny to me to be like, wow, yeah, my Republic is some people's favorites. Actually someone that we asked about, about, uh, being a guest on this podcast sent back immediately when I messaged them asking what song they would want to talk about. They messaged back with the song off my Republic, which I was kind of surprised about because in my brain, my Republic is like, yeah, man, it's a cool record. But in my brain, when I'm thinking of like either classic or most intense or most impactful good written songs, my Republic isn't the thing that comes to mind, but here you are proving me wrong, which is why we do podcasts like this. What was the other one on my Republic? Is Boise on my Republic? Boise is on my Republic. Yeah. 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 That's a, that's yeah. a jam. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Right. I mean, I, I've, I've never listened to this record. Like every time I'm hearing these things, it's brand new. Um, <clears throat> I mean, there's, there, I mean, there's some songs obviously I've heard before. Um, but like anything on my Republic is brand new to me. And yeah, I guess maybe listening to it with like, you know, like these just, fresh virgin ears but like 10 years after it came out more than that i guess right 14 2009 oh yeah but also maybe it's the way maybe if i listened to it then i wouldn't have had the same experience because kind of like what you were saying you're listening to things a little bit more intent tentatively intensely yeah sure you're listening to things with a different ear and uh, and it's kind of like what, uh, what i mean i hate to bring her up again but crystal last week when she and yeah, I were both her. talking about uh, <laughs> both talking about <laughs> the lyrics to Steps, about how we both knew the song and sang along, but never really knew how dark the song was until we were like, oh, it's weird. I don't know. It's interesting. I'm like I'm liking looking at things from a different perspective like this. So. Two listener questions this week. Cool. The first one from a friend of mine. She it's really funny. Her and I have been friends for a while, sort of service industry, crossing paths enough time. You know, she drinks at my bar. I eat at her restaurant, that kind of thing. She's not a punk kid at all. Okay. 
uh, at least not in like the, you know, codified version of what a punk is. The way that she thinks and things she believes in are she's punk as fuck. But like she sent a question this week that said, I need to learn more about 70s punk, you know, stuff like the Buzzcocks. Sure. So if you want to try and go with a very quick try talk about 70s punk on a good riddance podcast with a condensed version of it go for it in, dan in, I in dare what you. way in, in what way are we looking like you want a history do we want like stuff to listen to well yeah okay so there's a lot what i'm gonna say is because aileen mentioned the buzzcocks specifically i think that's a really cool band to start anything yes. on there are there was three or five punk singles that came out before the buzzcocks put out spiral scratch i think the two sex pistols seven inches and the damned seven inch and then like i don't know maybe there's someone else but anyway spiral scratch is like one of the first five ish actual english punk records to come out and the thing that makes the buzzcocks so cool and so impactful for me is that they put out that record themselves because they were up north i think bolton uh, which is just like across a river from Manchester kind of thing. So the Buzzcocks had a huge impact on Manchester music and the idea of DIY because no one cared about Northern England. If you weren't in London, it didn't fucking matter. So they put out their own seven inch in 1976, 77. It was very early. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the point is they put it out themselves and they were the first band to do that, at least in England under a punk name and so that in itself is just like amazing besides the fact that the buzz cut that seven inch is awesome and everything the buzzcocks did after that which does relate more to good riddance which is what ostensibly we're talking about on this podcast is that i think the buzzcocks did a really cool thing of being a punk band who had that attitude had that sneer were ready to uh take on any kind of establishment but at the same time wrote really smart cute poppy love songs but with an edge to them and so uh good listener question i happen to have just read the joy division book like a month ago and so they talk about how it was a big deal for warsaw which was the pre-joy division band to get put onto bills with the buzzcocks in like 1978 79 80 buzzcocks and manchester are kind of fresh in my brain so i have the advantage here and it's really cool that of all the bands to pick to talk about the buzzcocks were the ones that came up well, it's it's very funny um, because I don't know if I recommended this podcast to you, um, but there is a podcast called No Dogs in Space where it's uh, Marcus Parks from Last Podcast on the Left, you know, mm-hmm. big horror type stuff. It's it's he and his wife, and um, she does all this amazing amazing research on bands, and they do like these big like two, three, four, five part series is on bands. Um, there's like a Stooges one, uh, a Ramones one. And most recently I just finished the joy division one. So everything oh, wow. you were just saying about joy division in the, in the buzzcocks, it's like, yeah, I just listened to this. And then, you know, again, not to, I'm just giving out plugs today, apparently, but Damien for turned out a punk had someone yeah. from the buzzcocks very recently as well. Kind of talking about the same, uh, the same stuff. Whew. But seventies <laughs> punk. eh? Okay. So, I might get, I might say a couple things that came out early '80s, just because blurred lines, not the song blurred lines, but well, neither, neither neither of us were there for it, so timelines are a lot harder to be a part of when you weren't a part of it, right? True, and so I, I think if this person wants to kind of get an idea of '70s punk. If it's to learn about it, I would recommend books like Treat Me Like Dirt. You know, the Toronto punk um, yeah. verbal Liz um, Worth's book. Yeah. Yes. I, I was looking I'm just looking at it right now. Uh, I mean, even Sam's book, Perfect Youth, like there's some really good oral histories of the early scenes that are really cool. But uh, I mean, yeah, in terms of Toronto stuff, I mean, like listen to the Vile Tones, um, you know, listen to Richard Hell if you like a more rock and rolly type of stuff. You know, Dead Boys, obviously, just anything on Young, Loud and Snotty is really good. Uh, you know, go to L.A. and listen, you know, the L.A. side, listen to like the germs. And there's like, actually, you know what? There there is a playlist on Spotify. It's like one of the Spotify ones called Classic Punk. And it has everything on it from like 
up Ivy to Descendants to everything I just mentioned to X, even like replacements and Minutemen, like Stiff Little Fingers. I if, if you're looking to try and get into some of the earlier stuff, the, not, not proto-punk, but like just early, you know, capital P punk stuff, I highly recommend that playlist. I will put it on shuffle pretty often and just do work. Like it's it's pretty good. It's pretty comprehensive. It's not perfect. Um, but yeah, there's, it's like a wide range of stuff. I love, I love that early stuff and reading about it too. Oh, what was the name of the LA? Oh, we got the neutron bomb. Listen to the weirdos. Shit. I could go on for a long time. Actually, you should cut me off. Cut my mic. <laughs> that leans into what the other question that we got today was from punk rock jazz, man. Again, uh, our, hey. uh, maybe, maybe our loyalist listener. Uh, he wants to know our opinion who has better riffs. So not like better songs or records or scenes, but riffs, East Coast or West Coast. See, okay, here's the thing. I think the East Coast attitude is why I love DC and New York scenes so much from, you know, 1978 to present day. Uh, East Coast is where my heart lies because of the attitude and the ideas of it, where you can be hyper intelligent but also not afraid to get into a fight and fuck somebody up whereas west coast is just a straight up party and sort of because of that i think the guitar riffs on west coast punk records and this is a huge generalization obviously i'm not trying to take anything away from like you know bad brains or bouncing souls or whoever on the east coast but i think i think a lot of west coast punk bands maybe have more uh, skill writing and playing songs than a lot of East coast bands did. I think of, you mentioned X a minute ago, like the guitar lines and X songs are all fucking so good. Greg from black flag playing sure. guitar the way that he does. I think that West coast maybe had better musicians and therefore kind of better riffs to fit into songs. And I mean, that's part of the reason that West coast evolves so quickly as well. Like what we think of as hardcore and punk is sort of, even though it starts in other places, I feel like it's very well defined by L.A. specifically. But if you start thinking about even going up the coast and think about like the guitarist and Poison Idea, fucking sick. Or like, um, what's his face? That dude, Greg from the Wipers or going all the way up to Seattle and thinking about all the crazy. Now we think of them as guitar gods. But 40 years ago, people were laughing at Mark Arm. I think West Coast probably has better riffs, not better bands, necessarily not stronger scenes, not necessarily better records. Picking between East and West is a silly thing to try to do. But if I'm thinking about riffs in my brain, you know, Tim Armstrong writes unbelievable riffs and has for like 40 years. And he's a West Coast guy, you know, as as an example, not obviously Tim Armstrong is not the greatest guitarist of all time, but he has written some of the greatest songs I've ever fucking heard. Yeah, and songs that stood the test of time, too. But to answer the question, which is very difficult, punk rock jazz man, um, shit. You know what? I'm going to make it very simple. I don't want to echo too many of the things that you said because I agree with a lot of them. I, I think of a lot of New York bands, too, and I'm thinking, like you know, like I just mentioned, like Richard Hell and television and like, yeah, like they yeah. – they, they, uh, yeah, and like Johnny Thunders and shit. Yes, like, obviously exactly. there's yeah, killer yeah. riffs. New York Dolls, right? But yeah. but the the Bronx are from LA, and the Bronx fucking write some oh. riffs. Yeah, yeah. I feel <laughs> so, like so, that's almost all the Bronx do is write riffs. <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna. So the Bronx, the Bronx are gonna tip the scales um, on this question that has zero research done into it. So hey, if if we're wrong. Actually, that's a really good question where I would love to hear what uh, the listeners think on this one and why. Not like a big essay as to why. But yeah. So uh, that being said, send us a DM on Instagram, my last believer pod, just with a quick, uh, quick little reason as to why. Maybe name check a band that um, you want to put in there. Or if you really want to write an essay about it, shoot us an email at lastbeliever at gmail.com. 
Um, and should you feel so inclined, take a moment to like and subscribe anywhere you get podcasts. Um, we'd really love to move up in these charts or just be seen a little bit more because all of it is word of mouth. So drop a five-star review with a quick little, uh, just a little one-word thing would be nice. Or again, like I've said, better yet, um, just refer a friend. You know, get get a friend to uh, to take in two bozos shooting the shit about pop punk. And you know what? Even though it might be against my better judgment, you can hit me up and dance up on Instagram as well. <laughs> All right, cool. Dan, have you got a random number generator ready to go? Do I? <laughs> I do. I do. Yes, it's your question. Yes, it, I do. Is it like a window that has stayed open on your computer for the past 10 weeks? Yeah. Yeah, you, get exactly. the, you get the notification that your laptop's battery is about to die and you plug it in, never, ever closing that window. Well, I've I've fallen asleep many a times recently uh, just binge watching terrible TV. And uh, yeah, sometimes it dies. And you know what? The window stays open, baby. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> I plug it in. It right. stays open. All right. First number is 139. 139. All right. Next number. Second number is... Peaches and Cream, 112. Okay. <laughs> Do you remember that song, or is that reference yes. lost on you? Yes, okay. I got you. <laughs> of All course right. I got you. <laughs> 65. Okay, cool. All right, so our songs for next week are going to be Tragic Kingdom. Ooh. Not to be confused with the No Doubt album of the same name. We're going to do the song Take It to Heart, which is on Peace in Our Time. And we're going to do the song After the Nightmare from Operation Phoenix, Another week of deep cuts. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard of any of these songs, but I mean, that's okay. A lot of this is all new to me, so I can't really say anything. Uh, one of them specifically, uh, in my brain, says it's from the first demo. So it's like, I don't think it's ever been properly released except for on Capricorn 1. But yeah, we'll see how this goes. Um, a quick reminder to everybody. We don't own the rights to any of the music that you're hearing throughout this. We barely own the rights to our own ideas. Because we Man. live and they live. I don't know, whatever. Uh, but yeah, uh, if uh, you're listening to this and there's an issue with us playing music that you own because you're in Good Riddance or work for Good Riddance, uh, just let us know. I swear I have no problem editing stuff out. Next week, three more songs on Last Believer, a podcast about Good Riddance. Thanks for listening, Dan. Thanks for volleying all these questions so well that I threw at you this week. Whew, you, you know me. Just consummate professional. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. Just a boy,